Hi, I'm Jane Hilsden, marketing consultant and founder of Dragonfly Marketing. Welcome to this episode of the How To Do Marketing Show, a no-nonsense podcast about marketing for small business. It's our mission at Dragonfly Marketing to put marketing on the agenda for every regionally based small business in Australia. Why? Because we know that when marketing is done properly, it can help your business grow. We believe small businesses are the backbone of our nation. When your business grows, it benefits not only you and your family, it benefits your whole community. Small businesses create a vibrant and connected economy. We employ local people, we donate to local charities, and we work together to build resilient and thriving regional communities. So the How To Do Marketing Show is a podcast just for you and your small business. Bursting with marketing insight and information, this show will be a fabulous resource to help you know all there is to know about the topic of marketing for small business. And today's topic is a huge one. It's all about one of the largest consumer segments in the world, mums. And to tackle this topic, we are speaking with the leading expert in marketing to mums, Katrina McCarter. Katrina is the founder of Marketing to Mums, which is a marketing and research consultancy based in Melbourne. She is a marketing strategist, a best-selling author, speaker, and a business advisor who specializes in helping business owners and brands to sell more effectively to the world's most powerful consumer, mums. A prolific researcher into mother's behaviors, Katrina has published two books, Marketing to Mums in 2016 and The Mother of All Opportunities launched last October in New York of all places. <laughs> Honestly, you would be hard pressed to find anyone else that understands the consumer behavior of mums better than Katrina. So of course she has an abundance of great information to share with you all in this chat. We talk about the value of the mum economy to businesses, how mums are using social media and other technology. Katrina tells us what mistakes we can avoid when it comes to marketing to mum. And she also touches on some of the differences between mums based in different locations around the world. Plus, one of Katrina's latest research projects was around how mums are feeling and what they are getting up to in isolation. And she generally, generously, I should say, shares some of her key findings of her ISO Mums report. So let's kick off. Hi, Katrina, and welcome to the How To Do Marketing Show. Oh, a big thank you for having me, Jane. I'm really excited about today. So am I. Um, I can't, actually, I can't wait to get into this topic. Um, having read your book, which I'm sure you'll mention later on in the episode, um, Marketing to Mums, I, um, I have been wanting to pick your brain for a very long time. This is a great topic. But, but before we get into this, this fantastic topic, can you just explain to our listeners who aren't familiar with you um, and your business, what, what is it that you do? 
Yeah, absolutely. It'd be a pleasure. So I'm the founder and CEO of a marketing and research consultancy called Marketing to Mums. So I'm a marketing strategist. I'm I'm an author. I'm a speaker. And I specialise in working with businesses to help them attract more mothers and their families uh, to their business. So I tend to work with businesses of all sizes from startups right through to corporates. And um, yeah, I and across huge number of industries. Fantastic. And this is a really, um, I think this is a really relevant topic for me too, because obviously as, as a marketer, um, where there's lots of mums that fall into the realm of my clients' businesses, but too, I am a mum and I, uh, I'm one of those consumers that I think um, patronises a lot of, uh, uh, of those businesses. So I can't wait to find out more about this. But tell me, what is it for you that's driven you to specialise in, in marketing to mums? Great question. Great question. So I've got 20 years sales and marketing experience. Um, I went off, did my business degree and then went off into the grocery industry and uh, ran, sales, ran sales teams. Um, but my real learnings about mothers came when I launched my first business back in 2011. Mm. Um, I had three small children at that time and I launched an online shopping website for mums, um, which I grew to a community of 150,000 before selling that business in 2016. And when I had that business, what I could really see was these two things happening. Mm. First of all, mothers were just becoming increasingly frustrated with the communications they were getting through from brands. Mm. And at the same time, I would receive uh, copy and creative from advertisers um, who wanted me to put it on my website. And they just didn't have any understanding of how to connect or engage or convert mothers. So I just saw that there was this gap happening in the market and a real opportunity uh, for me to dive in and help mums receive better communications and brands um, having greater success in appealing to mothers. Yeah, that's that's a great, that's a great point. Um, I think one of the things that that I've observed, and I think maybe it's a little bit, um, I think it's it's being addressed probably due to your work, it's being addressed, but it seems that a lot of businesses kind of ignore the fact that mothers are consumers and, and are the main consumers in, in a household. And I think, you know, like the, the first kind of business that comes, like the type of industry that comes to mind here is perhaps the car industry. You know, they, they, they tend to, I mean, I've seen it change kind of over the last couple of years. but No, it's exceptionally slow, Jane. Yeah. Um, and it's really frustrating as well. Um, I can, I mean, I've had instances where there are senior marketers who just say, oh no we're not in the business of mums or um and I I just say oh do you you know but that they're unwilling to listen yeah yeah it's it is incredible it's quite incredible and I guess like putting the hat on of the mother you know it's probably not something that I even thought about that I was not seeing myself in the advertisements and the marketing of brands and of products and of services that I would have, you know, major influence in purchasing, if not be the purchaser myself. I wasn't really even thinking about the fact that I couldn't see myself 
as the purchaser in these ads until I actually read your book. So it's great. It's so great that you're doing this. It's really interesting that you say that, Jane. What I found to be really powerful when, when talking to brands and business owners is actually talking about research. So one of the things that I'm really committed to is actually running three research projects every year, just Mm -hmm. having a look at mum's behaviours. So um, a couple of years ago, we actually did one into the automotive industry um, so that I could go back to those automotive brands and actually educate them around, you know, what mums really want from and how many of them are actually looking at buying a new car. And there was something like, it was almost two thirds of of parents were were looking to buy a new car in the next three years. And yet these, some of these brands were like, oh, we don't target mums. We're not in the market of mums. And, and, and it was wonderful to be able to provide that data to say, hey, there's a huge opportunity here. And this is what mums are saying that you're getting wrong. Yes. And this is what they're saying that they're wanting. So I do a lot of that kind of work across different industries and um, just to help uh, businesses uh, better understand the wants of the market. Out of interest, and this is a, a, a bit of a curly one, but out of interest, the people within those organisations and those industries that come back to you and say, actually, no, we're not in the industry of mums, are they mums themselves? No. Typically? Oh, no. Um, they're often older fathers. Yes. <laughs> And, 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 and what I find the issue being is that um, or if they are in the mum market and they recognise that they're in the mum market, they're, re- they're relying back on their own experience of their children some 10 to 20 years ago and mums are actually changing really, really rapidly and it's so important, I think, for ongoing research to be engaged in uh, just to keep pace with the rapid change of mothers. We're very fast adopting of new technologies, new things, and, um, and yeah, trends come very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we've picked a little bit on the automotive industry here, but in your opinion, is it every type of business that needs to consider mums in their marketing or is it specific industries? I think that that's a great question. Look, I actually think there's pretty much, it's pretty much every single industry you can imagine. Mm. Um, And it's often some of those ones that we might not think mum has an influence, but she actually does. Um, Some of the research that we see is that mother, a a woman when she becomes a mother is eight times more likely to talk about a brand or a business than prior to having a child. So she's effectively becoming a mini influencer that is walking around talking about uh, businesses it's so important that she thinks about you really favorably the other thing that I would say is that when a woman becomes a mother she reevaluates her relationships with brands again like everything is is, is up for reevaluation and it's a really critical point for brands to either put themselves in the consideration set if they're not currently being purchased but the those that have been purchased for some time, she may not be loyal to you. And it's, re- it's, a, it's an important point where they have to do a really strong relationship build. 
Yeah. And look, I know when I, when I had, when my kids were young and um, the internet was kind of, well, social media was just becoming to be, you know, a bit of a thing. Mama Mia, like Mama Mia, Mia Friedman had kind of yep. just started her Mama Mia platform. And, and I know there was a lot of mama, um, mummy bloggers at the time, but it's where I think you first saw that outburst of these vocal mums and I think mums and females in general have always been pretty talkative we've always been you know people who'll discuss a topic and give an opinion but when you could actually see these conversations come to life online it was remarkable it's overwhelming sometimes to just see how much information these mums can share yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, there's 6.2 million mothers across Australia, Jane, and collectively these women are responsible for spending $132 billion in oh. spending in this country every single year. And and what the stats show that is if women were an industry, if mothers were an industry, they'd actually be our largest contributor to, to GDP. So they're incredibly powerful and influential, yet our research shows that 63% of them believe that brands and businesses don't understand them. And to me, there is an enormous financial opportunity out there for businesses and brands who can get this right. And that's really what I'm in the game of doing is helping them work that out. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think the business owners, uh, this, is my, this is my opinion, of course, and, and tell me if I'm, I'm incorrect. I think the business owners who are mothers themselves they might not actually get the purchasing power. Like that's some pretty significant figures that you've just quoted there. So they're not, they're not figures and facts that every person's going to know. But in terms of, I know when I've explained to business owners, you know, this is the power that, 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 you know, who do you think makes the decision in households, you know, to buy things for the kids, to buy things for the husband, to buy things for myself, to buy things for elderly parents, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then when they can reflect on their own behaviour, they're like, oh, yeah, it's me. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yes, it is mums. Okay, yeah, that's great. But I think, too, there's a lot of small business owners, well, even if they're not mums, particularly if they're not mums, they seem to forget that they themselves are not their target audience. So say, for example, if you do have even a father or, or a male or maybe even a female who's not a mum, you know, sometimes when you actually say that the potential's there because they, you know, because they're not that mum and they can understand it, you know, they don't project, you know, or empathise with their target audience in, in that regard. So that's, that's such a good point, Jane. One of the first things that I do when I'm working with a client is we actually undertake a research project to understand who their most profitable segment of the mum market is because, you know, we're all, all, they're all so different and we clearly identify that. Once we understand kind of those demographic profiles and their motivations as to why they're choosing that particular business or brand, I then help educate them around all the things that they need to know about that segment of mothers. So, that they can really have that empathy. Um, there is so much power in um, in being able to sit in someone else's shoes. And there was a great activity done by NGV about a year ago. They did a collaboration with the Empathy um, Museum of, uh, in the UK oh, yeah. and they set up a container. I missed it, um, but it's one thing that I've been watching online since. But they set up this container 
container at the Vic Art Center and you would go in and it was set up like to replicate a, um, a shoe shop. So you would go in and you would say, you know, I'm size eight and uh, they would give you a pair, uh, a shoe box uh, and inside there would be a pair of someone's shoes in a size eight that you would actually put on. And there'd also be a little headset for you to listen to the audio and they would tell their story and you would literally walk around the area area of the art center in someone else's shoes listening to their story and that's very much part of the work that I do it's identifying who that person is and then helping them understand their story um, and what are their pain points you know and what's the best way to communicate with them and engage and build relationship with them Oh my gosh, that is so powerful. Wow, I yeah, love it. Yeah, it's really worth checking out. I get a lot of my clients, I will make them go off and watch the video um, yeah. about it. It was such a great activity. I only wish I had the opportunity to put on a pair of shoes myself. Yes, that would be so fascinating. And I, fascinating, I think, as marketers, we're curious beings as, yeah. as we are, but to actually get to do that would be mind blowing. I'd love it as well. Yeah. So what about B2B businesses? So, so you know, mums obviously work, yeah. um, but is that the only link? Like what, what considerations do, do businesses, like B2B businesses need to think about when it comes to mums? Okay, there's a huge untapped opportunity for B2B businesses when we, when we look at mums because over the past decade, we, more than a decade actually, we've seen women enter business at almost three times the rate of men. Now, the majority of these... Um, are women who are looking for more meaningful work and more flexible conditions after the birth of a child. So we're seeing an explosion of mum-led businesses. Now, these the research shows that these women are actually going into um, areas that are outside their corporate expertise. So it's they've they've seen a gap in the market and they've gone. I'm going to have a crack at uh, at fixing that and addressing that issue. So, but what that means though is that they're really willing to take on outside expertise in a number of different areas. So that creates huge opportunities for legal, accounting, marketing mentoring, mindset coaching. So if I was in that in that space um, and, and was offering a service like that, particularly in professional services, um, I see that there is an enormous opportunity in looking to appeal to the mums in business market. In fact, I listed as one of one of eight um, key opportunities within the mum market over the next 10 years here in Australia and around the world really. Wow. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Yeah, that's that's so true. I can think of so many mumpreneurs, I guess, that they're, as they're deemed or termed in the industry. I can think of so many of the, of women that, that fit that description. So I can see how that would be a potential. And why do you think that every business needs to consider mums? You know, what what is the, the potency that sits behind this industry or the, this market? $132 billion every year. Um, That's it's a pretty spend, compelling reason. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's the spending power and just how influential they are, not just on the buying decisions that happen within their family, but also those that happen within their extended network 
so their other mates, um, but also extended family. Mothers in the family are often the go-to person uh, when someone needs a referral or a recommendation. Uh, for so, so they often uh, will get contacted by other members of the extended family for a recommendation. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a huge, huge reason. And um, when we when we think about some of the mistakes, I mean, you mentioned before how you know there's a lot of brands out there that are not um, considering or do not know enough about mums as a as a consumer. But what are some of the other big mistakes that you see brands or businesses make, particularly small businesses, when it comes to marketing to mums? Okay, great, great one. I lo- I love this. Look, I find that they target too broadly. There's a real um, reluctance to niche because mm-hmm. they go, they think that they're going to cut off part of their market if they if if they don't go for all mums, but Yet what I say is that all mum, we're so different and that there are so many different sub-segments and interests and motivations that if you try and appeal to all mums, you're really going to connect with very few mm. and wonder why your sales aren't coming in. So I'm really a massive advocate for niching. So I find the number one mistake is that they just target too broadly. The second issue that I see is that they just don't understand mothers deeply enough. Um, so so they'll they'll have the superficial kind of be able to profile them, but they haven't really got down and dirty to to deeply understand what those problems and motivations and wants are. So um, that's where I find research can be really really can make a huge difference. Yeah. And what I find is if they're making uh, those errors of targeting too broadly and lacking that kind of deep understanding of mothers. As a result of that, we see credibility become a massive issue. There's a lack of trust um, and that has dire consequences for loyalty and, uh, and sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And look, I know you've published a lot of research, which, which is awesome, but for small business owners, you know, if they really wanted to get their head around the types of mums that they're targeting because for me I go yeah mums are definitely different even if you just look at the life stages like I think of me as a mother of teenage children back to 10 years ago when I was a mother of toddlers two completely different life stages I've got different like massively different pain points and aspirations at both ends of of that spectrum but then I think even if you look at you know the difference between single mothers or mothers that perhaps are in blended families or you know there's there's such differing circumstances which would present the opportunities and and the different challenges so for small business owners could they by rights just in a really rudimentary fashion just go out and grab some mums in the I mean it's not like mums are hard to come by you know even if they had employers uh, employees at the business could they just go and grab some mums that they think are kind of representative of the mums that they'd like to to target and have some conversations with them or is it is it better to kind of really get them get their heads around some some solid research yeah, look, I uh, would, if you had an existing customer base, I would definitely take the time to do a survey. Um, if So if you're an established business without question, that is where, that's where I would be starting. Yeah. Um, if I was a brand new business, yeah, look, it is, it is trickier. And that's where I think that you need the guide of someone in marketing to assist you. But 
also, yes, you can you can reduce your costs significantly by going out to the market and getting some some thoughts around what people are doing. My only concern there is that sometimes um, if you're not an experienced kind of researcher that you can lead particular responses. It's it's better to come from a third party. So that's probably my only caution there. I mean, there are certain things that, as you're saying, you can um, differentiate by life stage. Another way that you could kind of um, do it quickly is have a look at what generation they are. How you communicate with a Gen X mother is completely different to how you might communicate with a millennial mother. And I'll give you a quick little example. I did some work with a play centre. Uh, they had a number of venues and we did a survey to understand, you know, what, what was the most profitable segment of the mum market for each of those venues. Half their venues appealed were, were millennial mothers and half their venues were Gen X mothers. Now, uh, millennial mothers are all about bonding and enriching their relationship with their child. So for those centres, we were talking about the value of play and creating a fun activity together and uh, the joy of, of, that of building that relationship with your child. For the Gen X mothers, they're far more about time, convenience, efficiency. So we spoke about the free Wi-Fi, great coffee, comfortable couches, the ability to get some other things done. Um, so it's a completely different communication strategy just based on, you know, that alone. I mean, and, that, and that's talking about it very generally, but there are some things that, that, that you can do like that. Yeah, absolutely. And as you pointed out, if there was like a blanket marketing strategy, if they'd only just targeted millennials with the words and the messages that you mentioned there, it would have complete. They would have risked completely missing that Gen X market with those messages because it's not. That's not really the the focus of that. So, so yeah. speaking of that research, and I love how much research you do. I um I find that really fascinating. Finding you know finding out how people really think and and the differences and the nuances of that and I've just finished reading the research study that you conducted about mums in isolation which is very relevant for this year absolutely fascinating an amazing resource for any small business looking to gain empathy and insight into the hearts and minds of mums particularly in this worldwide pandemic but can you talk us through some of the main findings that this research study revealed yeah, absolutely. So back in May, um, I went out and did a big survey of more than 1,350 mums across Australia. Um, I they were predominantly millennial mothers and I and pregnant women, and I really wanted to understand, you know, what was the impact of home isolation? Because clearly, small businesses were going to need to change their strategies, and we're going to need to change their messaging. Um, so I really wanted to get down, you know, and understand what was going on and how they were feeling. So we looked at a huge number of things like what was the key thing keeping her awake at night? What were her stress levels? Was she engaging in self-care? And if so, how how was that playing out? We also, I also wanted to find, you know, what was the best thing about isolation? Because, you know, there, there was some upside. Um, and what was the worst bits um, which, which she was really struggling with? And um, we put together, I've put together a 60-page report, freely available on the Marketing to Mums website. So any small business owner can go down and download that. But I guess I'd love to point out a few of those findings. One of, one of them was that um, mums love 
loved the slowdown initially. They uh, they relish those slower mornings, you know, time with the family and not being the taxi driver. Mm. Um, many mums talked about ditching the bra and makeup and, and really kind of getting back to basics. We saw a lot going back to home cooking, getting the place in order without the regular distractions of life. But we also saw them use that time to critically reevaluate their lives. You know, were they heading where they wanted to? You know, and they were setting new goals as well, we saw. Um, work from home opened up some whole, whole new possibilities for life in the future for them. And so I will not at all be surprised to see some sm- uh, some families with small children look for a rural or a regional or an outer suburb move because they can go for the lifestyle. They know that they can still maintain their, their work arrangements yeah. uh, with a combination of work from home and commute or permanently work from home. So that was a big one. There's a huge re-evaluation of their life right now. The second one is affordability and family finances really under the spotlight. Um, that was a key theme of the study. The number one thing keeping mums awake at night was actually whether their partner was going to remain in employment. Yeah. So as a result, they are very... Uh, uh, they are looking at um, saving wherever they can. I think that that is going to be a continued trend well into next year. Um, for any small business owner listening, I'd be looking at you really need to focus on the value you deliver with your product or service. It is all about demonstrating value. And if you've got a, a, an item or a service with a high price, you might need to start considering payment plans or, or other alternatives as well because I don't see uh, this one moving away um, uh, very quickly. I think that they're very cautious and they're going to be taking the lead by how the economy performs mm. or doesn't perform. Mm. I think the third thing I'd love to say is that stress levels were at an all-time high, mm. but it was the first time we've seen mums proactively addressing their self-care. We saw 75% of mums were engaging in self-care and some of those things were they were getting more sleep um, they were eating better. Um, a lot reported an increase in reading. Um, one of the things we did find is that we were not planning on seeing that baby boom happening anytime soon, <laughs> which a lot of the media have been talking about because mums were about four times, four or five times more likely to be reading a book um, than they were um, helping out with the, uh, with the with a growing population. So uh, it was really, really quite interesting. And I guess the fourth finding was that we saw sustainability and minimalism as a trend really accelerate. So this is something that I've been talking about for a number of years now. Uh, we're seeing this growing segment of mothers looking to live more simply. Now, that was really accelerated through the process of home isolation. This is a growing segment of mothers and it really needs to be recognised by, by small business owners um, think about your um, country of origin for your, clo- you know, for fabrics or clothing or your supply chain. Think about your packaging. All of these elements are becoming under under the spotlight amongst mothers. Mm. Um, so I'd really be conscious of this moving forward because this has greatly accelerated. This is just a tip of the iceberg, though. I mean, we had so many findings. Uh, there was definitely a very different experience with by pregnant women than there were with mothers. Mm. Um, they really felt uh, 
somewhat cheated out of their pregnancy. They really felt unsupported. They didn't have the the normal scans that most people had. There was no baby showers. And there was a real fear around giving having to give birth in a hospital that might um, have COVID positive patients in. So their stress and anxiety was played out quite differently. Um, but look, there's there's a lot to be taken in here, a lot to be digested, and I encourage business owners to have a look and have a read over it. Yeah, so to get hold of that report, because I think that would be such a great resource for small businesses, where do they, so they go to the Marketing um, marketing to Mums website yeah, it's and they'll simply, be able to find it. Yeah, it's marketingtomums.com.au and it's on the landing page. There's actually two reports available, which I've got for free at the moment. One of them is that ISO Mums report, and that's yeah. what we're talking about today. The yeah. other one is the state of motherhood in Australia, uh, um, which is also freely available. Oh, okay. Excellent. Fantastic. And it's funny because um, you mentioned that that research report was millennial mums, but I, I, I found myself with all of those findings going, yep, yep. And I, I truly sit in the Gen X um, category. So maybe this is something that we all have in common in terms of how we're actually surviving and how we're coming out the other end of, of isolation. And I think some of those trends that you spoke or, or some of the um, findings, I guess, that you spoke about, they do sound like, I mean, maybe not the saving kind of goals in terms of the fear sitting around, you know, their financial situation, but some of those other movements like towards minimalism and sustainability and slowing down, I think they're the kind of things that are hopefully here to stay. So it's not like that is just going to be relevant for the next 12 months. So if you're thinking, oh, well, you know, I won't bother about adjusting what I'm doing because this is only going to be temporary. I think they're movements that were always going to come. There just had to be a catalyst like the worldwide pandemic of COVID that, that brought those to the forefront because I think mums are the busiest people in the world. It was unsustainable how busy we are. But not only that, they've been really busy in home isolation as well, Jane. So whilst they might be isolated, um, a lot of them are still working and they're working from home, but they've also been supporting children who are, you know, engaging in, in remote learning as well. So um, there's been a lot of pressure there as well. They have been, uh, you know, quite busy attending to, to both of those those different sets of needs as well. Yeah, 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 fantastic. So I think for businesses and brands to kind of show up and help mums, particularly in the, at this time, in an authentic fashion, you know, not just show up with, with um, you know, messages that can, we can see straight through, but authentically show up with convenient solutions, you know, convenient payment plans, as you said, with messages that actually show empathy and support, um, you're going to be, you know, heads and shoulders in front of your competition. Absolutely. I'd have a real look at how you can facilitate connection and reconnection within mm. your local community. This is a real opportunity for small business owners. We actually saw a lot of messages around um, mum saying that they were going to go out and support small businesses. So that's really, really positive. Yeah. But um, have a look at um, one of the key things that mums have said consistently to us across the country was they felt so disconnected. They really believe strongly that it takes a village to raise a child and they really miss their village. So yeah. as we come out of isolation, how can you facilitate as a business owner the coming together of your community, the coming together of the families. 
Yeah, yeah. And out of interest from, I don't know whether it's something that kind of popped up in the ISO report or something that you've seen over the years, you know, something that I've noticed with a lot of mums is that they tend to be like really prolific in in Facebook groups or, or, on, or online forums, you know, those those channels or those safe spaces where they're really encouraged to connect with each other. And in fact, I think they, out of all the people I know and the segments I know, they're the ones that are the most willing to, to connect with each other online. Is that something that you've kind of observed yourself in some of your research, this this ability Have we ever? We've been tracking it for four oh, years. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, go. yeah. So back in 2016, we did a, we did a study into 1,800 Australian mums and looking at their social media habits. Yeah. And what we found was that 66% of Australian mothers belong to a closed Facebook group, which is just for mums. Now, we repeated that uh, last year, to late two th- well, in 2019, and that number had grown up to 80%. So um, it's really, really strong. Strong. And what we are seeing is, and which will surprise a lot of people, is we also track what's their favourite social media platform. And it doesn't matter whether you're millennial or Gen X here or baby boomer, Facebook is the number one chosen platform across all ages of mothers. So if you are a small business owner and you only have the resource to engage in one social media platform, uh, invest it into Facebook. Yeah, that's a great tip. That's a hot tip. And I think too, like if you look at the different platforms, Facebook really is the only kind of platform that allows that group facilitation, that group collaboration. You know, Instagram's kind of the the relationship is between the brand and the and the consumer or the brand and the, the follower kind of thing. And yes, you can kind of interact within the comments, but it's not a group, like it's not that that facilitary environment where you can all come together and, and converse. And it's not a safe space either. I think the power of closed groups is that mums can go there and put in their comments and not have to worry about you know, everybody else in the world seeing that, that transpire. Yeah, it's certainly how mums buy things, certainly in terms wow. of big purchases. So uh, coming back to the automotive, um, I was in one closed Facebook group and uh, a woman asked, I need to get a five-seat, you know, seven-seater car. Um, what What's the best one? And within, you know, I think it was within two hours, there were hundreds and hundreds of comments of mums sharing their voice and as someone who was just watching it I could tell you which car I needed to buy and what I needed to avoid and what were some of the questions that I needed to ask if I was shortlisting two particular vehicles so it can be an enormous research tool as well yeah and that's such a good point um I know myself, I'm just a lazy researcher. So I know, and I don't put it in a group. I just put it out to Facebook. You know, where can I buy a kayak? I need to buy a new dishwasher. And I see other people do it all the time. And seriously, I don't need to go anywhere else. I can literally just look through those comments and and make a decision based on that. So that's super important for business owners because they need to make the relationship with with mothers so much earlier in the piece. So because, uh, I mean, if we're talking about car, I know we've been talking a lot about cars, but pretty much a mother has decided which car she wants before she enters the dealership to test drive that car. It's really more a formality to check how it feels. She's already done all of that research. So the car manufacturer, that brand really needs to build that relationship far earlier than relying on on that to happen at the dealership. A hundred percent. 
With groups thing though, with the Facebook yes. thing, how do small business owners get in and leverage that group? Because you can't turn up in those groups as the business. Like if those groups are No, you definitely can't. That that would be the worst thing you could possibly do. Yeah. I mean you'd be you'd be kicked out by one of the administrators. Um it's a really, really tricky thing to do. Um I've done it successfully on behalf of a couple of clients before. Um and it's about co creating really good content, valuable content with the administrator of that Facebook group. Ah. Now, many of those Facebook group administrators have been building those communities over many, many years. Um, There's a lot of volunteers that might be helping in terms of administrating those groups. They don't have a great deal of income streams coming in, if at all. Um, Some of them are starting to wise up that there's an opportunity for them to run advertising, but an ad as such is not going to be effective within those groups. It's about creating a piece of really valuable content. I would suggest something like a um, a Q&A if you were a, um, let's say, a, um, a sleep specialist. You going in doing a Q&A in an online parenting community um, would be a really great way to, to facilitate awareness about who you are and what you do um, in a lovely closed environment such a great idea and it's but it's the person it's the person showing up in that group most definitely and it's and it's always done with the permission and endorsement and facilitation of the administrator and 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 that can be tricky um there's no easy way to search for facebook groups which is why i'm often i'm often engaged actually by brands to identify groups Mm. um and even by some to actually then go on and negotiate how they could co-create something and, and approach a particular closed Facebook group. Yeah, and I think that point that you made there in terms of people spend years and so much time, like to facilitate and grow and nurture a group takes a lot of time and energy. Oh, my so goodness, the energy. protective of it. And so they should be. So they yeah. should, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you can't just go crashing in there and start, you know, promoting your 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 wares. You have to do that with some respect. That's an awesome tip. I love the idea of co-creating. Now, um, your research is actually taking you all across the world. And I know you've been invited to share research in Paris. Lucky you. And last year, you launched your second book in New York. Again, amazing. Are there key differences between mums across the globe, Katrina, or are we kind of all the same? No, look, there are. There are some really key differences, actually. Um, uh, If we look uh, at American mothers versus Australian mothers, for instance, in America, the average age of a first-time mum is 25, whereas here in Australia, we're closer to 31. Uh, There's a lot of difference between a 25-year-old and a 31-year-old. Similarly, we would see in the US the grandparents often around 50, whereas here it's about 60, um, it's, it's over 60. So uh, those, those little nuances really can, can play out. So uh, definitely the age, there's, there's a difference. The other thing is in the US, you only get two weeks maternity leave, if, if that. So um, that in itself has created a whole lot of new services. Um, one that I'd love to point out that I've written a lot about uh, is Milkstalk. And Milkstalk is 
is for working mothers so that they can go and travel interstate in America and on arrival, um, they will at their hotel will be their breast pump and their breast pump station so that they can pump out their milk and fed and have it FedExed back to their home whilst they're traveling so that they can maintain their breastfeeding because it's obviously really difficult to maintain breastfeeding if you're traveling uh, for work as wow. a working mother, you know, a couple of weeks after giving giving birth. So as a result, there's, there's some different businesses that have really sprung up. There's also differences in terms of social media use. Um, uh, the US is really big on Twitter for mothers, um, oh. is, is really big. So often they'll have Twitter parties where brands will facilitate a, a Twitter party on an eight and everyone gets on and tweets about a particular brand or um, activity happening. Um, Pinterest oh. use. So um, I will say this is changing a lot. Um, we've seen Pinterest really increase in Australia over the last two years, so much so that Pinterest have now set up an office. And I think there's some real scope there for small business owners now here in Australia. You know, a few years ago, I would have said give it a miss, but now it's on radar. Um, I guess they're kind of the key ones. If I look at uh, French women, French women, um, uh, they're very much normally back to work fairly quickly as well. Kids seem to to fit in a, a little bit more right. um, in terms of lifestyle, um, whereas here in Australia, um, it's often all, all about the child. Here in Australia, we rely a lot on grandparents to step up with childcare because of the high cost with childcare centres here. Um, so that also really changes the, the buying dynamic. So right now, I'm out talking to my clients about getting a grandma strategy because grandma is now involved in a lot of the day-to-day -day running of the household um, because wow. mum's out working as well. Wow. What that means is grandma is now out there deciding on, um, you know, what change table needs to be yeah. purchased or um, all sorts of daily household items that would normally be purchased by mum, perhaps dad, is now falling under grandma's role. So um, that's really changing things. The path to purchase is a lot more complex as well because we're also seeing uh, dads in younger millennial families and certainly in Gen Z families um, are becoming far more active and far more engaged in all the buying decisions uh, that are happening within the household. So now what we've got is we've got, um, you know, mum still ultimately making a lot of these decisions, but there's a lot more influence from dad. There's a lot more influence from grandma as well. And that makes it trickier and more challenging for a business owner. Absolutely. Wow. There's so much to consider there. That's amazing. So in your, you've got a, another book out. So you wrote Marketing to Mums. That was your first book. And now you've got a book called the, the Mother of All Opportunities. And in that, you talk a lot about tech-first mothers and the growing opportunity that they represent. Can you explain what a tech-first mother is? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a term I've kind of coined a few years ago. Um, these women are looking for a tech-first solution to their problems, and it starts on their iPhone. They tend to be younger millennials. Um, they are, you know, they have the ability to shop 24-7, um, and it allows brands the opportunity to be far more relevant and be part of their lives with these tech-first mothers. Um, we undertook a survey in 2019, Having a look at understanding tech first mums. And what the first thing we found was that 99% of them own a smartphone. 
It is their most important tool for running their household in the day. They will pick it up. They will pick it up about 150 times or more over the course of the day. They're very fast adopters of new technology, so they love the wearable technologies. Smart speakers. So when we're talking about Google Home and Alexas, yeah. Yeah. really, really popular amongst these mothers because mm. it it allows them to divert their children and use it for entertainment purposes rather than putting their child on a phone or a TV. So it can often be used as go and ask Google, go and ask, yeah, go go and ask a question, you know, if you've got five minutes and you're, being, you're trying to get something done, go and ask Google something. Um, so that's really, really popular. We also saw they love curated uh, streaming devices. So Netflix for them is just something they love. 51% of Australian mums have watched Netflix in the past 24 hours. This is pre-pandemic numbers. Huh. Those numbers, I expect, have been have gone up, um, you know, significantly. But prior to the pandemic, over the past, in, within a one-week period, we would have seen 70, 75% of mothers uh, having, having watched Netflix. And they love that curated content. It's their me time. They don't have to think about it. And Netflix actually suggests stuff that they, should, that they might actually like. And there's no commercials. Yeah. And that presents some issues for businesses as well that might have previously engaged in TV. These women have got very high expectations of brands. They expect a very seamless experience across digital devices. They might start on Facebook and finish on their phone with a transaction. And they expect that that experience to be very, very seamless. They're amazing at filtering content. They do it at pay. So that we have got a very short amount of time to gain their attention. They're also very big information seekers. So as we spoke about earlier with the closed Facebook groups, they go off and do their research and they've got very honed skills to get that information that they need very quickly. So, um, you know, and they're always looking for social proof. So they want to see that the brand has been spoken about favourably and they will go out to their community to get that. So they're very astute, savvy shoppers with very high expectations. Yeah. And what about on the on the tech front? What about their use of social media? Is there any I mean we've spoken about Facebook and about groups, but is there anything that we that small business owners need to know about mum's use of social media in particular? Yeah, it's only increasing. Uh, yeah, it, it's increasing. So we as I said we we did that 2016 study, we did it again in 2019. Uh, we've seen some uh, huge stats about just the increase of mothers that are on at least who are checking their social media accounts at least 10 times um, every single day. I mean, there were, there were huge numbers on that. Unfortunately, I don't have them with me, but um, we saw a significant increase. So it's it's only increasing the number of times they're accessing yeah. um, and, and how long they're engaging. And that tends to be the evening. And so what you really need to be thinking about is what is the age of the oldest child in the household? So it's when that oldest child goes to bed, that's when she's going to flop on the couch and and you know drop in for a couple of hours to to fiddle around on her phone that's that's yeah, when she's going to do it 
Yeah, that is such a great point. And it's something that I know when I'm working with small businesses, business owners on their social media, and you can see when you look at the insights that from about the, the time of about five o'clock or six o'clock until nine o'clock, um, particularly when there's a lot of um, mums on on um, as part of their community, um, the times between 6 and 9pm seem to just skyrocket at that time in terms of people online and people using it. But you've just got to consider, yes, they're online, but at 6 o'clock, some of those mums are actually cooking spaghetti on the stove and waiting for the water to boil while they're flicking through. So they've only got limited attention span and concentration to actually really understand your content. I love the point that you make about wait until their oldest child goes to bed because at that point she's got a little bit longer so she can actually click through to the website from the link that you provide in your social media post. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also know that she's still difficult to to uh, to get her time even then because she's often organising school activities. Uh, she's running the family calendar, organising all of that, which is said okay. to take, you know, upwards of uh, up to four hours and it, that, that is added to her average day. So um, it is always going to be hard to get mum's attention. Uh, her expectations are very, very high. If we look at and compare her up against the uh, the average consumer, um, their expectations are lower than mums. So you not only have to meet mums' expectations, but you have to exceed them if you want mum to start going out and recommending your business or your brand. Yes. So uh, it, it's a it's something that you should be striving for because once you've activated her and she's out talking about you, it completely reduces your need to invest in in paid marketing activities. Yeah, hundred percent, and that's that's what a lot of small business owners are striving for. Absolutely, so, I'm all about resourceful marketing. I was going to say, in fact, I think all businesses are probably yeah. striving for that. Top tips for business owners and brands to attract more mothers and their families. Oh, great question. Um, straight up, understand who your most profitable segment of the mum market is. You really need to have a, a clear understanding of exactly who she is, why she chooses you over over other people available in the marketplace. So that would straight up be my first one. Second one is something we haven't spoken about today, and that is story selling. Mums connect with stories. They're emotive, um, and it's a great way for you to build relationships. So share with us the story of someone else who has purchased or experienced your product or service. Got it's it. almost like a mini case study. Like that that's what she wants. To, that's that's the best way to subtly sell to her. She very much rejects any kind of buy now, buy you know, heavy sales messaging. So that's a beautiful way to connect and and convert mothers. Um, the third one that I would say is testimonials are the number one reasons mums buy. Uh, more influential than a mum-to-mum -mum recommendation, which I have to tell you surprised me greatly in our research yeah. um, over the past four years, but it consistently comes up just. Um, but testimonials, are su written testimonials are super important. So make sure you've got a testimonial strategy. Okay. Great. There's some fantastic tips. And that does surprise me. I know a lot of small business owners can sometimes be a little sceptical of testimonials because they're like, do people even read them? You know, why should I bother? People just think they're a lie, which I, I, I don't believe people do at all. I believe people pay a lot of attention to them. I think video testimonials can be even stronger because they're clearly not a lie. Um, we find it doesn't matter. 
So a combination, of, yeah, yeah, a combination of both. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. They just need to be deemed to be um, authentic. And yeah. and one thing that I would say is, I have a lot of small business clients that will come to me, and I'll ask them, "Have you got Facebook recommendations on?" And they go, "No, I shut it down because I got this really bad review yeah. once, and it wasn't even a client." And I I assure them that by having a balanced uh, view, so by having the odd bad review is actually fantastic for your business. It is a great opportunity for you to step up and show how you deal with a problem. Yeah. Mums deal with problems all day long, comes yeah. with the territory. They want to see how do you perform when something doesn't go right. And that's yes. that can actually be a great great opportunity for you to convert her. Yes, I love that. Absolutely. That's a really, really great and important uh, important tip. And the other thing to know there too is you might have one or two negative ones, but don't let, you could also have another 200 really positive ones. So don't focus on the negative. Well, all the, all the research shows that if you just have glowing uh, reviews, written reviews, that she becomes sus, sus. And, and and it reduces the overall credibility. So having the odd bad one, it oh, actually one. adds credibility to all your good ones. Oh, wow. Everyone's going to be out there now going for the bad review. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you have been so, so helpful, Katrina. This has been such an amazing chat. You've shared so much. If our listeners actually want to get in touch with you or connect with you, where can they actually reach you? Um, oh, look, I hang out on LinkedIn a fair bit, but if, if someone is interested in, in connecting with me, I'm great on email. So Katrina with a K at marketingtomums.com.au, uh, but also my website, which is marketingtomums.com.au. I've got um, details there of the reports that we've spoken about and also both my books. Fantastic. And I would highly recommend that all business owners, anyone in business, anyone in marketing, go on and certainly take advantage of those two um, free reports that you can download. And of course, if you want to deep dive even further, go and purchase those books. As I said, I've read Marketing to Mums. It is such a good resource. It is on my business bookshelf. I refer to it all the time. Thank you so much for your time, Katrina, and all of those amazing tips. Ah, it was an absolute pleasure, Jane. Great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. 1.3 billion. That's a pretty worthwhile target segment, right? I hope this chat with Katrina has helped you to think about whether mums are your target audience, because I'm betting that they are. And if they are, how are you recognising and addressing that in your marketing? Hey, if you are really enjoying these episodes and feel like they are helping you become a better marketer, head into your podcast app and hit subscribe. That way you will not miss an episode and the marketing goodness will just keep flowing in. And if you know a small business owner who you think might also find this episode helpful, please grab a screenshot of the episode and send it over to them. You can also subscribe to receive our weekly small business marketing tips at dragonflymarketing.com.au. And if you are a Facebook groups kind of person, then we'd love to welcome you to the How To Do Marketing group on Facey. We have loads of marketing tips and articles and updates flowing through that group and always love to have conversations or answer any of your questions about marketing. So until next time, 
Happy marketing. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 